हेलो फ्रेंड्स आई एम बैक ऑन वर्षा स्टेक एंड इट्स सिंपल सो टुडे आई एम गोइंग टू रीड आउट टू यू चैप्टर टू फ्रॉम द बुक द साइकोलॉजी ऑफ मनी बाय मॉर्गन ह्यूसल चैप्टर टू इज अबाउट लक एंड रिस्क नथिंग इज एज गुड और एज बैड एज इट सीम्स लक एंड रिस्क आर सिबलिंग्स they are both the reality that every outcome in life is guided by forces other than individual effort nyu professor scott galloway has a related idea that is so important to remember when judging success both your own and others nothing as good or as bad as it seems Bill Gates went to one of the only high schools in the world that had a computer. The story of how Lakeside School just outside Seattle even got a computer is remarkable. Bill Bill Dugals was a World War 2 Navy pilot turned high school math and science teacher. He believed that book study wasn't enough without real world experience. He also realized that we'd need to know something about computers when we got to college. Recalled late Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen. In 1968, Dougal petitioned the Lakeside School Mothers Club to use the proceeds from its annual rummage sale about dollar three thousand to lease a teletype model, thirty computer hooked up. to the general electric mainframe terminal for computer time sharing the whole idea of time sharing only got invented in 1965 gates later said someone was pretty forward looking most university graduate schools did not have a computer anywhere near as advanced as bill gates had access to in 10th grade 8th grade and he couldn't get enough of it gates was 13 years old in 1968 when he met classmate paul allen allen was also obsessed with the school's computer and the two hit it off lakeside's computer wasn't part of its general curriculum it was an independent study program bill and paul could toy away with the thing at their leisure letting their creativity run wild after school late into the night on weekends they we they quickly became computing ex- experts During one of their late night sessions Allen recalled Gates showing him a Fortune magazine and saying what do you think it's like to run a Fortune 500 company Allen said he had no idea maybe we'll have our own computer company some day Gates said Microsoft is now worth more than a trillion dollars a little quick math in 1968 There were roughly three hundred and three million high school age people in the world, according to the UN. About eighteen million of them lived in the United States. About two lakh seventy thousand of them lived in Washington State. A little over one lakh of them lived in the Seattle area, and only about three hundred of them attended Lakeside School. Start with three zero three million, end with three hundred. 
one in a million million high school age students attended the high school that had the combination of cash and foresight to buy a computer bill gates happened to be one of them gates is not shy about what this meant if there had been no lakeside there would have been no microsoft microsoft he told the school's graduating class in 2005 gates is staggeringly smart even more hard working and as a teenager had a vision for computers that even most seasoned computer executives couldn't grasp he also had one in a million head start by going to school at lakeside Now let me tell you about Gates' friend Kent Evans. He experienced an equally powerful dose of Luck's uh, Luck's uh, closed sibling risk. Bill Gates and Paul Allen became household names thanks to Microsoft's success. But back at Lakeside there was a third member of this gang of high school computer prodigies. Kent Evans and Bill Gates became best friends in 8th grade. Evans was by Gates own account the best student in the class. The two talked on the phone ridiculous amounts. Gates recalls in the documentary inside Bill's brain. I still know Kent's phone number, he says. 5257851 Evans was as skilled with computers as Gates and Allen. Lakeside once struggled to manually put together the school's class schedule, a maze of complexity to get hundreds of students the classes they need at times that don't conflict with other courses. The school tasked Bill and Kent, children by any measure, to build a computer program to solve the problem. it worked and unlike paul allen kent shared bills business mind and endless ambition kent always had the big brief briefcase like a lawyer's briefcase gates recalls we were always scheming about what we'd be doing 5 or 6 years in the future should we be go should we go be ceos what kind of impact could you have should we go be generals should we go be ambassadors whatever it was bill and kent knew they'd do it together after reminiscing on his friendship with kent gates trails off we would have kept working together i'm sure we would have gone to college together Kent could have been a four-ding partner of Microsoft with Gates and Allen, but it would never happen. Kent died in a mountaineering accident before he graduated high school. Every year, there are around three dozen mountaineering deaths in the United States. The odds of being killed on a mountain in high school are roughly one in a million. Bill Gates experienced one in a million luck. by ending up at lakeside kent evans experienced one in a million risk by never getting to finish what he and gates set out to achieve the same force the same magnitude working in opposite directions 
luck and risk are both the reality that every outcome in life is guided by forces other than individual effort they are so similar that you can't believe in one without equally respecting the other they both happen because the world is too complex to allow 100% of your actions to dictate 100% of your outcomes they are driven by the same thing you are one person in a game with 7 billion other people and infinite moving parts the accidental impact of actions outside of your control can be more consequential than the ones you consciously take but both are so hard to measure and hard to accept that they too often go overlooked for every bill gates there is a kent evans who was just as skilled and driven but ended up on the other side of life rule it if you give luck and risk their pro- proper respect you realize that when judging people's financial success both you own and others it's never as good or as bad as it seems years ago i asked economist robert schiller who won the nobel prize in economics what do you want to know about investing that we can't know the exact role of luck in successful outcomes he answered I love that response because no one actually thinks luck doesn't play a role in financial success but since it's hard to quantify luck and root to suggest people's success is owned to it the default stance is often to implicitly ignore luck as a factor of success if i say there are a billion investors in the world by sheer chance would you expect two of them nay 10 of them to become billionaires predominantly of luck you would reply of course but then if i ask you to name those investors to their face you will likely back down when judging others attributing success to luck makes you look jealous and mean even if you know it exists and when judging yourself attributing success to luck can be too demoralizing to accept economist bhaskar mujumdar has shown that incomes come among brothers are more correlated than height or weight if you are rich and tall your brother is more likely to also be rich than he is tall i think most of us intuitively know this in tr- is this is true the quality of your education and the doors that open for you are heavily linked to your parents socio economic status but find me two rich brothers and i'll sh- i'll show you two men who do not think the studies findings apply to them failure which can be anything from bankruptcy to not meeting a personal goal is equally abused did failed businesses not try hard enough were bad investments not thought through well enough are wayward cancers due to laziness sometimes yes of course but how much it's so hard to know 
everything worth pursuing has less than 100% odds of success and risk is just what happens when you end up on the unfortunate side of that equation just as with luck the story gets too hard too messy too complex if we try to pick apart how much of an outcome was a conscious decision versus a risk say i buy a stock and 5 years later it's gone nowhere it's possible that i made a bad decision by buying it in the first place it's also possible that i made a good decision that had an 80% chance of making money and i just happened to end up on the side of the unfortunate 20% how do i know which is which did i make a mistake or did i just experience the reality of risk it's possible to statistically measure whether some decisions were wise but in the real world day to day we simply don't it's too hard we prefer sink simple stories which are easy but often devilishly misleading after spending years around investors and business leaders i have come to realize that someone else's failure is usually attributed to bad decisions while your own failures are usually chalked up to the dark side of risk so i end here for today and i will continue in the next episode of the remaining part of chapter 2 the luck and risk from the book the psychology of money bye friends and meet you in the next episode hello friends it's varsha's take and it's simple i'm back again with chapter 2 of the psychology of money by morgan husel luck and risk nothing is as good or as bad as it seems i'm continuing the previous chapter that is chapter 2 when judging your failures i'm likely to prefer a clean and simple story of cause and effect because i don't know what's going on inside your head you had a bad outcome so it must have been caused by a bad decision is a story that makes the most sense to me but when judging myself i can make up a wild narrative justifying my past decisions and attributing bad outcomes to risk The cover of Forbes magazine does not celebrate poor investors who made good decisions but happened to experience the unfortunate side of risk but it almost certainly celebrates rich investors who made okay or even reckless decisions and happened to get lucky both flipped the same coin that happened to land on a different side The dangerous part of this is that we are all trying to learn about what works and what doesn't with money. What investing strategies work, which ones don't? What business strategies work, which ones don't? How do you get rich? How do you avoid being poor? We tend to seek out these lessons by observing successes and failures and saying, "Do what she did." 
avoid what he did. If we had a magic wand, we would find out exactly what proportion of these outcomes were caused by actions that are repeatable versus the role of random risk and luck that swayed those actions one way or the other. But we don't have a magic wand. We have brains that prefer easy answers without much appetite for nuance. So identifying the the traits we should emulate or avoid can be agonizingly, agonizingly hard. Let me tell you another story of someone who, like Bill Gates, was wildly successful but whose success is hard to pin down as being caused by luck or skill. Cornelius Vanderbilt had just finished a series of business deals to expand his railroad empire. One of his business advisors leaned in to tell Vanderbilt that every transaction he agreed to broke the law. My God, John, said Vanderbilt, who you don't suppose you can run a railroad in accordance with the statues of the state of New York, do you? My first thought when reading this was, that attitude is why he was so successful. Laws didn't accommodate railroads during Vanderbilt's day. So he said, to hell with it, and went ahead anyway. Vanderbilt was wildly successful, so it's tempting to view his law flaunting, which was notorious and vital to his success, as sage wisdom. That scrappy visionary let nothing get in his way. But how dangerous is that analysis? No sane person would recommend flagrant crime as an entrepreneurial trait. You can easily imagine Vanderbilt's story running, turning out much difficult, different, an outlaw whose young company collapsed under court order. So we have a problem here. You can praise Vanderbilt for flaunting the law with as much passion as you criticize Enron for doing the same. Perhaps one got lucky by avoiding the arm of the law while the other found itself on the side of risk. John D. Rockefeller is similar. His frequent circumventing the law of the law, a judge once called his company no better than a common thief is often portrayed by historians as cunning business smarts. Maybe it was, but when does the narrative shift from you didn't let outdated laws get in the way of innovation to you committed a crime? Or how little would the story have to shift for the narrative to have turned from Rockefeller was a genius, try to learn from his successes, to Rockefeller was a criminal, try to learn from his business failures, very little. What do I care about the law? Vanderbilt once said, ain't I got the power? He did and it worked. 
but it's easy to imagine those being the last words of a story with a very different outcome the line between bold and reckless can be thin when we don't get give risk and luck their proper billing it's often invisible benjamin graham is known as one of the greatest investors of all time the father of value investing and the early mentor of warren buffet but the majority of benjamin graham's investing success was due to owning an enormous chunk of geico stock which by his own admission broke nearly every diversification rule that graham himself laid out in his famous text where does the thin line between bold and reckless fall here i don't know graham wrote about his ge geico bonanza one lucky break or one supremely shrewd decision can we tell them apart not easily we similarly think mark zuckerberg is a genius for turning down yahoo's 2006 dollar 1 billion offer to buy his company he saw the future and stuck to his guns but people criticize yahoo with as much passion for turning down its own big buyout offer from microsoft those fools should have cashed out while they could what is the lesson for entrepreneurs here i have no idea because risk and luck are so hard to pin down there are so many examples of this countless fortunes and failures or their outcome to leverage the best and worst managers drive their employees as hard as they can the customer is always right and the customers don't know what they want are both accepted business wisdom the line between inspiringly bold and foolishly reckless are be can be a millimeter thick and only visible with hindsight risk and luck are doppelgangers this is not an easy problem to solve the difficulty in identifying what is luck what is skill and what is risk is one of the biggest problems we face when trying to learn about the best way to manage money but two things can point you in a better direction be careful who you praise and admire be careful who you look down upon and wish to avoid becoming or just be careful when assuming that 100% of outcomes can be attributed to effort and decisions after my son was born i wrote him a letter that said in part some people are born into families that encourage education others are are against it some are born into flourishing economies encouraging of entrepreneurship others are born into war and destitution i want you to be successful and want you to earn it but realize that not all success is due to hard work and not all poverty is due to laziness keep this in mind when judging people including yourself
therefore focus less on specific individuals and case studies and more on broad patterns studying a specific person can be dangerous because we tend to study extreme examples the billionaires the ceos or the massive failures that dominate the news and extreme examples are often the least applicable to other situations given their complexities the more extreme the outcome the less likely you can apply its lesson to your own life because the more likely the outcome was influenced by extreme ends of luck or risk you'll get closer to actionable takeaways by looking for broad patterns of success and failure the more common the pattern the more applicable it might be to your life trying to Emulate Warren Buffett's investment success is hard because his results are so extreme that the role of luck in his lifetime performance is very likely high and luck isn't something you can reliably emulate but realizing as well as we'll see in chapter 7 that people who have control over their time tend to be happier in life is a broad and common enough observation that you can do something with it my favorite historian frederick lewis allen spent his career depicting the life of the average median american how they lived how they changed what they did for work what they are ate for dinner etc there are more relevant lessons to take away from this kind of broad observation than there are in studying the extreme characters that tend to dominate the news bill gates once said success is a lousy teacher it seduces smart people into thinking they can't lose when things are going extremely well realize it's not as good as you think you are not inconvincible and if you acknowledge that luck brought you success then you have to believe in luck's cousin risk which can turn your story around just as quickly but the same is true in the other direction failure can be a lousy teacher because it seduces smart people into thinking their decisions were terrible when sometimes they just reflect the unforgiving realities of risk The trick when dealing with failure is arranging your financial life in a way that a bad investment here and a missed financial goal there won't wipe you out so you can keep playing until the odds fall in your favor. But more important is that as much as we recognize the role of luck in success the role of risk means we should forgive ourselves and leave room for understanding when judging failures nothing is as good or as bad as it seems now let's look at the stories of two men who pushed their luck so this is the end of chapter 2 luck and risk from the book the psychology of money by morgan hussel meet you in the next episode where i give my take on this chapter thank you friends for listening hello friends this is varsha's take and it's simple so i am here with a small take 
my thoughts or my opinions on chapter 2 luck and risk nothing is as good or as bad as it seems the author over here is brought to our notice that there if you believe in luck there is always the other side of that coin which is risk so if you say that some things are done or achieved or you have become successful because you were lucky then there ha- there is an equal amount of risk of failing or falling from that place where you have reached he cited examples of bill gates um paul allen kent evans and such people who have got successful they were extremely ordinary people that is what he tried to point out but they had only one different um thing in their life which happened like for example bill gates went to a school which had a computer back then so that was the beginning of his passion and then you rest is history so he formed microsoft then he's also mentioned uh, the failed partnership of bill gates paul allen and kent evans as kent evans passed away in an mountaineering accident so that again you can say either it's luck or bad luck or it was risky but actually it is just an ordinary simple commoner's life things keep happening that is you may become successful or you may fail hence the process or walking through the journey is very very important he is also uh, pointed out the story of robert schiller who's a nobel prize winner in economics he told about economist bhaskar mujumdar in this chapter where uh, bhaskar mujumdar says that if there are two brothers and if you want to compare the height and weight of the two brothers you will find that the rich and the tall so like if a uh, if a brother is rich and tall the other brother the similarity between the two brothers would be that both are rich even if the height varies that mostly happens because the two brothers have been brought up by the same parents or the parents who are in us in the same socio economic status he also wants to wants everyone to think that our failures not worked hard enough on that means if a business fails does that mean that the person who started the business has not worked hard enough which is not the truth truth there are certain risks that everyone takes if they get through with the risk they are called lucky if they don't and they fail they are 
called foolishly risky. The author has also uh, written stories of Cornel Cornelius Vanderbilt who was called nearly a criminal because he always went against the law. There is uh, John D. Rockefeller's story where he too always outdated laws to get away with innovation. So, on the other hand, they were called criminals because they always evaded laws and they came up with new solutions. Benjamin Graham himself has always contradicted what he wrote in his books so that people should follow that. He's contradicted, uh, contradicted those actions that he has suggested others to follow. Mark Zuckerberg is also, though he's an genius, is said to be foolish when he turned down the Yahoo's deal. So, the author says, be careful who you praise and admire. Be careful who you look down upon and wish to avoid becoming. Focus less on specific individuals and case studies and more on broad patterns. So you are likely to get successful only when you keep doing what you are doing. Observe broadly what a commoner does. Like Frederick Louis Allen spent his career depicting the life of an average median American. So as to how they lived, how they changed, uh, what they did for work, what they ate for dinner, etc. So it's very, very important to observe the average man's life to get successful in your own journey. So there's a very thin line between bold and reckless. And luck and risk. And luck and risk and bold and reckless, all of these only can be seen when you in the hindsight. That is when you turn around and see, then you can say, oh, that was luck, this was risk, so on and so forth. When a person is actually doing it, walking the step of his life or whatever he wants to achieve, I think every person is thinking when you invest in some company and that company share grows up, you say that you are lucky or you've done the right or you've taken the right decision. But on the other hand, if that same share doesn't grow at all, in the hindsight, you feel that, oh, that decision was wrong. So it was a wrong buy. But there's nothing like this. One should just be concentrating on the broader patterns and keep doing what one likes the most and each time watching and observing the broad patterns in the world. I hope you like this take and you go through the chapter, uh, you listen to what I have read before, that I have read the chapter too and um, you too would get your own perception on this chapter. 
Thank you for listening. And bye. Namaskar Mitranno. It's Varsha's take and it's simple. Azmi Tumhala Dhada Don The Psychology of Money by Morgan Husel या पुस्तकातला दुसऱ्या धड्याचं विसलेशन थोडक्यामध्ये अगदी माझं मत तुमच्यासमोर मांडणार आहे या धड्याचं नाव आहे भाग्य आणि धोका लेखक असं म्हणतात ह्याच्यामध्ये की कुठलीही गोष्ट खूप चांगली अथवा खूप वाईट अशी नसतेच तर मग आपण विचार करायला पाहिजे खरंच भाग्य किंवा खरंच एखादी गोष्ट खूप धोक्याची अशी असते का मुळा मूळतः या धड्यामध्ये लेखकाने बिलगेट्सबद्दल काही लिहिलेलं आहे त्यांची गोष्ट म्हणजे नक्की बिलगेट्स बिलगेट्स आणि त्यांनी कसं कम्प्युटरची कंपनी सुरू केली त्याचा पार्टनर जो त्याच्या शाळेतच त्याला मिळाला पॉल ॲलन त्याच्यानंतर कॅन्ट इवान्सबद्दल काही थोडक्यामध्ये लिहिलेलं आहे तर बिलगेट्स पॉलन पॉल ॲलन आणि कॅन्टिवान्स वगैरे ही सगळी अगदी साधारण अशी मुलं होती जी जवळपासच्या शाळेत जायची त्यांच्या एरियामध्ये ते सियाटलमध्ये राहायचे तर तिथे एक जवळपासच्या लेक साईड स्कूलमध्ये जायचे काय वेगळं घडलं त्यांच्या आयुष्यात तर त्यांच्या शाळेमध्ये एक कम्प्युटर होता मुलांसाठी म्हणून विकत घेतलेला जो बाकी इतर शाळांमध्ये कम्प्युटर असण्याचे चा शक्यता फारच कमी होती त्या काळात सो ह्यांना वेगळं काय मिळालं तर तो कम्प्युटर जवळनं पाहायला हाताळायला मिळाला ही एक वेगळी गोष्ट बाकी सगळं सर्वसाधारण आयुष्य असलं तरी वेगळी गोष्ट ही घडली त्यांच्या आयुष्यात की कम्प्युटर जवळनं हाताळा हाताळायला मिळाला आणि मग त्यांना तो इतका आवडला की बिलगेट्सनी तेव्हाच ठरवलेलं की आपण मोठं झाल्यावर काहीतरी ह्याच संगणिकाच्या संदर्भातलं काहीतरी मोठं असं कार्य करूया आणि ते त्यांनी त्या काळातच पॉलन पॉल एलन हा त्याचा मित्र झाला आणि त्यालाही कम्प्युटर्स खूप आवडायला लागले त्याच्यामुळे त्यांनी असं ठरवलं की चला आपण दोघं मिळून काहीतरी करू मग कॅन्टी वान झाला त्यांच्या बरोबर त्यांच्या ग्रुपमध्ये मग त्यालाही त्यांनी घेतलं त्या ह्याच्यामध्ये आणि त्यांनी बरंच काय काय ठरवलं की आपण काय काय करूया पण ते कॅन्टी वान्स जगू नाही शकला तो त्याला देवाज्ञा झाली फार लवकरच माउंटेनरिंग ॲक्सिडेंटमध्ये तो गेला म बिलगेट्स आणि पॉल एलनमध्ये मतभेद झाले अगदी ऑपोजिट अशी त्यांची मतं व्हायला लागली त्याच्यामुळे पण त्याच्यामुळे त्यांची पार्टनरशिप अशी काही होऊ शकली नाही पण बिलगेट्सनी मात्र हिस्ट्री क्रिएट केली तुम्हाला माहिती आहे मायक्रोसॉफ्ट ही कंपनी स्थापन केली आता ते त्याचं भाग्य होतं का त्यांनी काही धोका पत्करला होता हे ठरवणार कसं आणि लेखक असा म्हणतो की भाग्य होतं किंवा ती एक खूप मोठी धोक्याची गोष्ट त्यांनी पत्करली होती हे आपण जेव्हा मागे वळून बघतो तेव्हाच कळतं मागे वळून बघायच्या आधी जेव्हा ते करत असतात कुणीही करत असतं एखादी गोष्ट तर प्रत्येक जण निर्णय घेत असतो त्याच्या दृष्टीने जो योग्य असेल तो निर्णय त्याच्या परिस्थितीला अनुकूल असेल तो 
निर्णय प्रतिकूल परिस्थितीतनं जेव्हा एखादा माणूस वर येतो त्याला आपण खरं म्हणजे सक्सेस असं म्हणू शकतो पण जर तो दृश सगळ्यांच्या दृष्टीने सक्सेस तेवढा इफेक्टिव्ह सक्सेस नसला समजा तर मग परत लोक त्याला नावाजत नाहीत तर लेखकाचं म्हणणं असं आहे की लो सर्वांनी सगळ्या साधारण म्हणजे ब्रॉड पॅटर्नवरती खूप ऑब्झर्वेशन करायला हवं ते का तर रॉबर्ट शिलर जो एक नोबल प्राईज इकॉनॉमिस्ट आहे त्याच्यानंतर भास्कर मुजुमदार ते पण एक इकॉनॉमिस्ट आहेत त्यांचं असं म्हणणं आहे की खूपशा गोष्टी या सोशिओ इकॉनॉमिक स्टेटसवरती अवलंबून असतात म्हणजे जर दोन भावंड एकत्र असली आणि तुम्ही त्यांच्यातल्या साम्याचा साम्याची तुलना करायला लागला की काय साम्य आहे बाबा त्या दोघांमध्ये तर बहुतांश वेळेला एखादा भाऊ जर श्रीमंत आणि उंच असेल तर दुसरा भाऊ श्रीमंत असण्याचे शक्यता जास्त असते नाके उंच असण्याची म्हणजेच श्रीमंती ही त्यांचे पालक कुठल्या सोशिओ इकॉनॉमिक बॅकग्राऊंडमधनं येतात त्याप्रमाणे त्यांनी संस्कार केलेले असतात मुलांवर आणि त्यामुळे ती मुलं एका पद्धतीने विचार करतात सो एक भाऊ जर श्रीमंत असेल तर दुसरा श्रीमंत असण्याचे चान्सेस खूप दाट असतात पण तो उंच आहे म्हणून दुसरा भाऊ पण उंच असं होण्याची शक्यता फारच कमी असते आता लेखक असंही म्हणतात की तुम्ही ह्या गोष्टीकडे अगदी नीटपणे बघा की एखादा माणूस फेल झाला बिझनेसमध्ये तर त्याचा अर्थ असा होतो का की त्यांनी योग्य तो तेवढे कष्ट घेतले नाही म्हणून तो फेल झाला किंवा एखादा सक्सेसफुल झाला म्हणून आपण असं म्हणू शकतो का की त्यांनी खूपच कष्ट केले बाबा म्हणून तो सक्सेसफुल झाला तर तसं नसतं एखादा माणूस कमी कष्टात सुद्धा खूप वर जाऊ शकतो दुसरा एखादा मनुष्य भरपूर कष्ट करून सुद्धा कदाचित फेल गेलेला असतो तर ते बऱ्याच काही गोष्टींवरती अवलंबून असतं की ती तशी परिस्थिती असायला पाहिजे ती गोष्ट त्याच वेळेला लागली पाहिजे सर्वांना मग तो तो बिझनेस जो आहे तो व्यापार जो आहे तो खूप ग्रो होऊ शकतो ती आयडिया काहीतरी थोडीशी नेहमीपेक्षा वेगळी असेल ती ते काम करत राहिलं आणि त्याच्या जोडीला बाकीच्या सगळ्या गोष्टी अर्थ व्यवस्थित मिळाला म्हणजे पैसे भरपूर असले कंडिशन्स चांगल्या असल्या मदत करणारी सपोर्ट करणारी माणसं असली मार्केट पण तशा पद्धतीने कॅप्चर झालं तर तो धंदा सक्सेसफुल होऊ शकतो लेखकाने कॉर्नलिस वॅन्डबिल्टच एक उदाहरण दिलंय की त्यांनी इनोव्हेशन भरपूर केलंय म्हणजे खूप आगळ्या वेगळ्या गोष्टी राबवल्या त्याच्या बिझनेसमध्ये पण तो कधीही नियमांचं पालन करायचं नाही तसंच जॉन डी रॉकफेलर पण अशाच 
असाच अशाच पद्धतीचा बिझनेस करायचा की तो इनोव्हेशन खूप करायचा म्हणजे नवीन नवीन गोष्टी खूप निर्माण करायचा पण त्यांनी कधीही ही नेवर अबायडेड बाय द लॉ म्हणजे तो कधीही नियमांचं पालन करायचं नाही बेंजमिन ग्राहम वॉरन बफे या लोकांनी सुद्धा त्यांच्या पुस्तकांमधनं जे जे लोकांना सल्ले दिले आहेत त्या सल्ल्याप्रमाणे ते स्वतःच कधी वागले नाही पण ते सक्सेसफुल झालेत म्हणून आपण त्यांच्याकडे वर मान करून बघतो जे कोणी फेल होतं त्याला आपण म्हणतो की ते फुलिशली रिस्की होते म्हणजे उगाच धोका पत्करला वेळेपणा करून तर लेखकाचं म्हणणं असं काही नसतं त्याचं असं म्हणणं आहे की तुम्ही जर भाग्याला कारणीभूत ठरवू लागला तुमच्या सक्सेससाठी किंवा तुमच्या फेलियरसाठी तर लक्षात ठेवा तुम भाग्याची दुसरी बाजू म्हणजे त्या नाण्याची दुसरी बाजू ही धोका आहे म्हणजे तुम्ही प्रत्ये प्रत्येक क्षणाला धोक्यातच जगत असता जर तुम्ही भाग्यात तर तुम्हाला बेसिकली तुम्हाला हे कळलं पाहिजे की तुम्ही प्र प्रत्येक माणूस सर्वसाधारण असतो आणि त्यांनी सर्वसाधारण लोकांच्या प्रत्येक हालचालीकडे खूप बारकाईने बघावं त्याच्यामध्येच एखादी तुम्हाला नाविन्यपूर्ण गोष्ट मिळू शकते आणि त्याच्याने तुम्ही सक्सेसफुल होऊ शकता तर त्याचं असं लेखकाचं असं म्हणणं आहे की कधीही तुम्ही नेहमी काळजी घेतली पाहिजे की एखाद्या माणसाला खूप जास्त त्याचं त्याची स्तुती करणं किंवा त्याच्याबद्दल खूप जास्त अडमायरेशन असणं त्याबद्दल तुम्ही शक्यतो अशा गोष्टी म्हणजे एखाद्याच माणसाचं खूप जास्त निरीक्षण करणं त्याला खूप त्याचं खूप कौतुक करणं तोच सर्वात महान आहे असं मानणं हे कधी करू नये त्यापेक्षा तुम्ही ब्रॉडर पॅटर्न्सकडे बघायला पाहिजे म्हणजे रोजच्या जीवनात अगदी साधारणसा माणूस कशा पद्धतीने खातो कशा पद्धतीने काम करतो कशा पद्धतीने झोपतो कशा पद्धतीने जगतो हे बघायला पाहिजे हे एका हिस्टोरियन म्हणजे ऐस ऐतिहा इतिहासकार फ्रेडरिक लुई ॲलन ह्यांनी एक साधारण अमेरिकन माणसावरती असं संशोधन केलं आहे आणि त्यां आणि त्याच्यातनं त्यांना हे कळलेलं आहे की जेव्हा तुम्ही अशा साधारण माणसांचा अभ्यास करता तेव्हा अधिक चान्सेस असतात की तुम्ही सक्सेस मिळवू शकाल त्यामुळे लक आणि रिस्क हे सगळ्यांना सारखंच असतं लक आणि रिस्कवरती फार अवलंबून राहू नका बोल्ड आणि रेकलेस ही जी टर्म आहे ही तेव्हाच कळते जेव्हा आपण मागं बघतो पुढे चालत असताना आपल्याला कुठलीही गोष्ट ती योग्य वाटत असते म्हणूनच आपण करत असतो त्यामुळे आपण आयुष्य जगण्याकडे जास्त महत्त्व दिलं पाहिजे वी शुड बी एन्जॉईंग द जर्नी ऑफ लाईफ मोर दॅन द डेस्टिनेशन अँड वेन यू आर केअरफुल वाईल वॉकिंग यू आर शुअर टू विन सो थँक्यू फॉर लिसनिंग धन्यवाद तुम्ही ऐकल्याबद्दल आणि मी आशा करते की तुम्हाला हे आवडेल आणि तुम्हीही मी जे चॅप्टर वाचलाय ते दोन एपिसोड जरूर ऐका आणि तुम्ही तुमची मतं पण व्यक्त करू शकता ओके परत भेटू पुढच्या एपिसोडमध्ये